again. Well, uh, John 6, we're going to pick up in verse 46. I, uh, you know that I had planned to get at least through 59 yeah, last week, but that didn't happen. So uh, we ended off at 45, so we're going to pick up in John chapter 6, uh, verse 46. So John 6, 46 says, not that anyone has seen. So let's back up. We we ended last week with a discussion because Jesus had had proclaimed to the group of people that were following uh, him uh, that they, what we see is the motive for them following him was they were after the next meal, the next spirit, uh, physical meal that they could experience uh, because they liked what they had. Uh, Jesus had multiplied a, a young boy's breakfast. Uh, or his lunch, and uh, he had five little barley loaves and two fish. And uh, the Lord fed over 5,000 people with that. So much so that it wasn't like everybody got a crumb and, and was, was uh, miraculously full. They all ate as much as they wanted. The Lord continued to provide. And, and he, he was, there was a, a huge spiritual lesson there that they were not getting. And when they came the next day and they're after the next meal and they come to Jesus, Jesus starts explaining that he is the bread of life. They were blessed by the bread that they had received, but they didn't understand that there was a deeper meaning to the, the, the meal that they had received. So we're in the middle of that and we had to, had to break off because there are, are, there's a, a spiritual argument. Uh, between two sides. And we're not going to get into it again because we got into it uh, a, a good bit last week. And the two sides are Calvinism and Arminianism. And I'm not even going to get into them much. Uh, one speaks of the sovereignty of God, a summary, sovereignty of God, and the other speaks of the free will of man. Uh, and there's a 600-year-old argument that has divided the church. And I explained both sides and explained Calvary Chapel's stance on it, typically right in the middle. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God has a a man has a responsibility to respond in faith to God. I'm not going to, we, we can't look at the scriptures and go, well, it's, it's only this or it's only this. Uh, I believe any, either of those sides uh, doing that is going to lead them to frustration and confusion and pride. Uh, those, those three things are going to, to come about. So um, in uh, that discussion, we uh, took up much of the discussion. So we, we stopped at verse uh, 45 and uh, now we're continuing the, uh, the explanation that Jesus is giving the crowd that there's, there's a bigger thing that he has to offer them than just a free happy meal. And, uh, you know, come and get your, your, your filet of fish. Uh, it, it one day is, is great, but just understanding that he has so much more to offer uh, than, than just uh, some bread and some fish. So verse 46 says, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. And this is another claim of Jesus, from Jesus of his preexistence. And uh, it, it, Jesus, uh, it's, it's a, another one uh, as, as Jesus is claiming what he has seen. What he says here, nobody has seen the Father except he who is from God. So that's, that's there are a lot of bold statements in John chapter 6. And John 6 is often overlooked. Uh, it's not often discussed. There's, a, there's so much meat within this chapter. There's meat anywhere in the Bible, don't get me wrong. But it, as, as far as Jesus' declarations and the teaching that he had, to, had uh, for these specific listeners, uh, there's so much to really dive into. So I challenge you to go back and read it uh, and, and study through, and, and the Lord is going to bless you. So Jesus in verse 46 is claiming to be eternal. 
Verse 47 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me have ever, has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So in verse 47, Jesus is assuring them of everlasting life that can be found in him. I, I, I just said a, a, a few moments ago, Jesus made some pretty bold statements. For anybody to make this type of statement, they better be able to back it up. We've discussed this before, but C.S. Lewis presenting the, uh, Jesus Christ and, and saying he's, he's one of three. He's either Lord, liar, or lunatic. Anybody in any situation, you can present Jesus Christ, and they have to come to you. So, and after presenting Christ, we can ask them, so, so who is Jesus? Is he, is he a liar? Was he was just a complete liar, deceiver? Is that who he was? Was he a lunatic? Was he out of his mind and got some people to follow him? Or was he Lord? You have to come to one of those three, uh, those three uh, conclusions in life. And, and when, when we come to those and we have to look at those, uh, it's an easy way to share. If we're sharing who Jesus is to anybody who's skeptical, present Jesus in love. You know, for us to, to speak to somebody, I think any of us are going to shut down if we know that someone's not respecting us or looking down their nose upon us. But as we're sharing Jesus, the hope is that they're going to come to the, the conclusion that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then after they confess that Jesus is Lord, what are you going to do with it? You know, when Jesus makes these statements, I am the bread of life. And when, when he says here that uh, this bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it uh, and not die. This is the bread. You know, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. He's claiming to be eternal. That he, that he existed outside of time and stepped into time. This is a very bold statement. And there's one that can make that statement. It's Jesus Christ. So remember, this is the crowd that was following Jesus because of the material gains that they could get from following him. They had material uh, mindsets of, hey, you know, he did that. What's he going to do tomorrow? What's for lunch? You know, we gotta, we, we're going to get, you know, fish chowder. We gotta, what, what are we going to get? Yet? And, uh, you know, what's he going to do? That's the wrong motive for following Jesus. If we ever find ourselves following Jesus for anything other than eternal life, worshiping him because of who he is. But if we find our motive being, I want to get rich. If we find the, the motive being, I just, I, I want something. I'm going to do this so that God will bless this in my life. Don't really care about having a relationship with him, but I just want the good that he has for me. Those are the wrong motives. We shouldn't approach God in that way. When Jesus says these, that, that he's the, the bread of life and the one that came down from heaven, you know, that's, that's a claim of claims for somebody to say that eternal life is found in them. People have said that before, cult leaders that end up killing everybody in the cult. You know, they're going to jump on a comet and, you know, go around in space. You guys remember that, right? I can't remember the, 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 the cult it was, but they all committed suicide. Believing, oh, here comes the, com the comet, and it was hail -bop. Comet hail -bop or whatever it is. Everybody killed themselves, and, uh, and, and that was it. You know, man, man will make that type of declaration so they can get people to, to, to follow them. But, 
but Jesus isn't—he's not, you know, a liar or a lunatic. You know, but he does also doesn't leave any room for questioning what he meant. He gets into great detail. He didn't just say "I'm the bread of life" once. He repeats it. Repeat. He says it repeatedly in John chapter six. There's no question of what his claim is. I'm the bread of life. You know, and to understand uh, as he's speaking, and he's speaking it very plainly, but these people are so carnally minded, they're not understanding anything spiritual. And Jesus is leaving no question. He's, he's just flat out saying, I'm the bread of life. And he goes on to explain that. And then he says, you know, more as we, as we get through this of him laying down his life. And it's this, what we're studying here isn't the first time he said it, but there's no doubt that, uh, that the, the disciples are continuing to hear it. Remember, at the, if you're familiar with this chapter, at the end of it, there's a mass exodus away from Jesus. But those that were there that stayed, remembered, and they're sharing it with us. I don't know about you, but I often learn from repetition, doing things over and over. Usually it's over and over and over and over and over again, and then I figure it out. Okay, I'm not a big uh, read, I, uh, read and learn. I have to do things with my hands. I have to actually do something. I don't know how, how you guys are. You know, it's like practicing an instrument. I, uh, uh, when I was learning guitar, I've, I've told you, I, I've confessed this with you, I, I, I oftentimes wanted to smash that thing because, you know, your, your hands won't do what you want them to do. And, uh, and, and you're trying to figure out this dexterity, okay, how do I go from a, a G to a D? And uh, getting our fingers to do those things. And, and it was practice. It was repetition uh, for me to understand what was going on and for my body uh, to in, in my mind to start uh, you know working on those things. Maybe sometimes we need to reread something. Maybe we need to hear it repeatedly. Uh, there are times that uh, usually when I'm mowing my lawn or I'm doing things around my house. Just last night I was cleaning the gutters yesterday, and I've got Chuck Smith on, and I'm listening to him teach in John six and John seven, going through and that when when we're pouring specifically the word of God into our lives, it's going it's going to stay in our minds and hopefully you know take root and grow if we allow it to and hopefully we're sharing the word so that we're not in it we just hear it once and move on but that's jesus said i'm the bread of life several times in here for a reason and it's important for us to understand when something is said repeatedly by god there's a reason for it that that we need to understand that so he says it several times, and he explains it uh, several times. When he says, I am the bread of life, you know, we rely on bread to sustain our bodies. We rely on food. We'll just say food, but, you know, specifically bread. I, I had a fantastic sandwich yesterday up at Jersey Mike's. Um, a, a giant number five is this thing. It's, it's, I don't know how big it is, but when you're done eating it, hopefully you're not like me and ordering the giant, and, and then you're going, oh, you know, maybe I ate too much. But if you've got a big appetite... And that thing, you know, it's just a big sandwich. I was totally blessed by it, you know. But, you know, within a few hours, I'm going to be hungry again. Remember the woman that came to the well? She, she, she wanted to. She didn't want to keep, live, live, you know, lifting the water. And Jesus was talking to her about uh, living water. When he says, "I am the bread of life," you know, he's the one that provides and sustains our spiritual life. So yes, I may really enjoy that sandwich, but you know, am I going to go to Bangor every day and have that? No. 
you know, I, I do have to eat every day and I have to constantly maintain spiritually. We need to go to the Lord constantly and, and go to his word and eat of his word and, and digest his word and let his word, you know, go into our lives and change us. You know, when Jesus says, I am the bread, you know, he speaks of you know, pretty exclusively. It's uh, extremely exclusively of himself. He doesn't say I'm, I'm one of the, the, the spiritual breads. I'm one of the breads of life. The, the the statements that Jesus made, I am, we talked about in John, seven I am statements and seven miracles that are recorded in John. Those I am statements, it, they're, they're, he leaves no question and he explains them all. We need to understand Jesus Christ is very exclusive of as to who he is. And uh, now regarding his teaching and his call is very inclusive. You know, he wants all to come to him. But understanding that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. So for him to make these bold statements, there's only one. He says, I am the bread of life. There's one way. And uh, this may be an offense to some. And uh, if it is, then you know, go to the Lord with it. You know, we've, as Christians, have been called closed-minded. It's 2022. Really? You know, you're, you still believe that? You know, this was written 2,000 years ago. You still believe that? Yes. It's been tried and true. You know, the scriptures, they, the same God wrote them, and, and that same God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You know, there, there, there's no uh, variation or shadow of turning in God. We see that in the scripture, right? God doesn't change. We can trust his word today just as much as they did 2,000 years ago and let it rule and reign in our hearts as they should have back then. We need to. He is the bread of life. Now it's about truth. You know, when we know when we know it's a truth, we can't just uh, we can't say, well, it's just the truth to us. Well, I've got my truth, and you. That's that's a popular thing today, right? Well, your your truth is your truth. My truth is not. No, the truth isn't subjective. The truth is what it is. You know, and it's whether someone wants to accept the truth or reject the truth. So it's important to understand Jesus Jesus didn't say, well, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, for, for this specific person that doesn't want to reject their sin and uh, you know, those things, you may want to go over here. You know, Jesus spoke very, very pointedly, very exclusively as, uh, as to who he is. Uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 5. Now, the, the, I, I, I brought up the ESV because I like the way it explains it the best. But uh, Romans chapter nine verse five says, "To them belong the uh, belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the Jews, uh, according to the flesh, is uh, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever, Amen." So, speaking of the Jew, from the Jews, the Christ came, who is God over all. That Jesus, when He says, "I am the bread of life," and when the Scriptures say that He is God in the flesh. It's important to understand it's not he isn't a God in the flesh as the Jehovah's Witnesses want to want to uh, try to explain away who Jesus Christ is. He's not he's not you know a God. Okay, so uh, a with a little g that he's not the the true God. No, he is. Ephesians chapter four verses four through six. There is one body. There is one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is above all and through all and in you all. First Timothy two five says, "For there is one God and one mediator be between God and men, the man Christ Jesus." 
He's very exclusive. He's he's making the point, I am the bread of life. So there's no question of what he was saying. He addresses, in verse 49, they had spoken of of the the manna that they were provided, but, but they still died. And followers in Christ... Uh, we we understand this. Anybody who's accepted Jesus is we're never going to die spiritually. We're all going to experience, unless the Lord takes us away before then, we're all going to experience one death. That our body will at some point come to an expiration. And then for the Christian, life continues in heaven. The second death is for somebody who has rejected Christ and will spend eternity in hell away from him. Christians die one time. We're born once and we live. Sorry, we're born twice. Sorry. Born twice, die once as a Christian. So we're going to experience a physical death. We just if you haven't come to grips with that, we all are going to die at some point. It's what happens next. And if you're here and you haven't accepted that gospel, now you have to. You have to consider what am I going to do with this? You know, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. What am I going to do with that? Was he Lord, liar, or a lunatic? Well, if he's Lord, we, we need to submit our will to him. In verse 51, Jesus said that uh, the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So Jesus is speaking of laying his life down for the sins of the world. And he's, he, when it says in, in, uh, later in verse 51, he says, if anyone. Anyone, anybody who hears the gospel, then has a decision to make. Hear the gospel, okay, that that I'm a sinner, I'm in need of a Savior, that Jesus Christ is that Savior. And uh, if I go to him in faith, I can be saved. Or I can reject it and reject the, the eternal life he has to offer. It's, 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 it's one of, of two answers. Isn't it amazing that we actually have an option for eternal life? I don't know about you guys, but I look back in my life and I go, why? Why? It, it, it just, just looking back at you know, my, my pre-Christ days, my pre-Christian days, and looking back at why. And if any of us can go, well, it's because, okay, <laughs> stop right there. If there's anything that comes you know, as an answer other than God's grace and God's mercy, we need to talk. There might be a pride issue there, okay? We, we all deal with pride, but we need to understand that none of us are good enough to come to, to God on our own. 1 John chapter 4, verse 2 says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So Jesus said in verse 51, uh, The bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give uh, for the life of the world. He, he himself is uh, understanding that he has come in the flesh. He has come in the flesh. Verse 52. The Jews therefore quarreled amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, 
and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So in, in 52, again, remember, this is the crowd. Uh, you know, the crowd's understanding a, uh, they're, they're not understanding a spiritual conversation. They're looking at, at everything that just happened, that Jesus fed them, and now he's talking to them. They're looking at it through a carnal lens. They're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you got to say, where's the food? Like, what are you talking about, this bread of life? And everybody starts getting fired up. And, you know, he, he's saying this, he's saying that. And it says that they quarreled amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So they start, they start fighting amongst themselves. In 53 through 56, really, the Lord's laying it on thick. He said these things and he's repeating them. And, and there's, a, there's a cost to be counted in following Jesus. And when we get to the end of this, he, we understand that he thinned out the crowd uh, with this sermon. When Jesus said uh, before, when, when he was speaking, and we'll get to that here soon, but uh, Jesus said that, uh, you know, if anybody was going to uh, to build, it's in Luke, I, I think it's Luke 13 or 14, uh, where, where he's talking about somebody, if they haven't counted the cost before they try to do they try to go to war without knowing, you know, what they have, uh, or if they try to build, a builder's trying to build and they don't have enough materials, they're going to be, it's going to be an embarrassment to them. And, and that he used that as an example to share to show if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you need to count the cost, and then make the decision, and then to move forward and not turn back. You know, and and he goes on to say, if somebody is as you know put their hand to the plow and turns back, you know, where are you in the kingdom? You know, you're not fit for the kingdom. Jesus said, "Please don't misunderstand this to be condemnation." I I know what I'm saying here uh, may sound uh, that, uh, that 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 I'm. I'm Pointing, I, I know most of you here and that you're walking with Jesus, but it's important for us to understand this so that we we thoroughly understand it and that we can share it. So I hope this doesn't feel like it's just condemnation or anything like that. And that I'm pointing the finger. Jesus Christ was very pointed, and we have to understand how, how pointed he is and how exclusive he spoke of himself and then backed it up. Because if we're not firm in our faith and understanding who he is, how are we going to share it with any conviction? How are we going to share it so that anybody can can hear the one way to heaven is Jesus Christ? That's very, very exclusive. He made that point. That's a very bold statement. So Jesus is drawing the line here. So either believe in him for, for everlasting life, that his body was broken and that his blood was spilled. He's talking about uh, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. You know, just like just like the Old Testament sacrifices had foretold. You know, Jesus is offering them fulfillment, you know, provided by him and, and by himself providing these things. He's saying you want that spiritual life. You want to be fed spiritually. You want to have the spiritual water. It's found in him. That's that's how he taught. You know, when we eat bread, it, it becomes part of us and it affects us. And, and you know, that statement, we are what we eat. Uh, it, it, that's uh, just understanding. But by accepting Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. He becomes part of us. And he starts permeating every part of our existence. And he starts changing us, cleansing us, building us, strengthening us. Important for us to understand what is being offered here, what Jesus is saying. 
and he's presenting them with a choice, either you know about their belief in the Messiah. You know, one uh, that he, you know, their their Messiah was one that they was going to come and deliver them from Rome, and then they start getting food, and they're like, wait a minute, if this is a Messiah and he's providing this food, we're on, we're on board. We get free meals. We get the provision we need. You know, it's not like uh, in these days when we get hungry, you're just kind of you know driving down the road and you pull off the interstate and you grab some food. You know, they didn't have even have a refrigeration back then. You know, so so meals were much more difficult than they are. I mean, for us, you're usually about 15, 20 minutes uh, away from any type of meal that we need to get. You know, so that 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 um, convenience. Of, of, hey, you know what? If we just follow Jesus, the meals are taken care of, and uh, we don't have to worry about anything else. And maybe even the thoughts of, you know what? We can just quit our jobs because then we don't even, you know, we can just follow him around, and he's going to take care of everything. He's going to deliver us from Rome. This is the guy we want. And then Jesus starts making these statements, and he's explaining there's more to following him than just saying, hey, you know, I want the Savior. When he goes and he points to the fact that he is Lord. And I, I know that Will has shared several times up here. We, we all want the Savior, but do we accept him being Lord of our lives? That we need to submit our own will to his will. So the, this is what happens is when Jesus is laying this, this down and he's drawing this line, it's that, you know, are you going to submit to the Lordship of Christ? Are you going to, do you understand who I am? So yes, they wanted, they wanted the Messiah that was going to provide for them and deliver them and they can have everything. Hey, let's follow this. This is the guy. Let's just leave everything. Let's, let's go follow Jesus. But he's talking about a cost to follow him. And we'll see, we'll see what happens when they hear of the cost. You know, so was that Messiah the one that they were looking for or was he the one that the scriptures spoke of? that offered the, you know, the, the spiritual needs, to fulfill the spiritual needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it is great spiritual needs and everything. What's for lunch? You know, that's, that's where this crowd was. Yeah, we're with you. We're with you. What's for lunch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're listening and everything. And Jesus, no, we've got to get to the point here. And he keeps diving in. 58, we can see that he's the eternal one. He spoke of being the living water and, the, the living water that he can provide and, and the breath, uh, the bread of life. Jesus is both of them. <clears throat> that one can meet the spiritual need within anybody. The whole world. Verse 60. <clears throat> Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard thing. Who can understand it? And Jesus knew in himself that the disciples complained about this. He said to them, does this offend you? What then, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you, that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. For that time, uh, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So, considering that verse sixty starts with "then," uh, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, uh, they, you know, they they couldn't understand it, and they're saying, "Who can understand what's going on here?" So, a disciple is one who's being disciplined in a style of a a, a style of teaching or in a lifestyle. 
so, so these people were following Jesus, and uh, they they claimed to be ones that were that were disciples, followers of him. So, you know, they what we see here from the, from the question that's being asked in, in verse sixty, it says that uh, the, you know this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? They lacked spiritual understanding. So they were following based on the material gifts that they could get from Jesus, but they didn't quite understand uh, the spiritual that he had to offer. So we need to be familiar with our Father's voice. We have to be familiar with the Word of God. We have to be. If we're not, you know, that's that's. I love I love the approach. I've said this before. Calvary Chapel isn't the only game in town. There are uh, God-fearing churches all in this whole region, people that, that love the word, they love the Lord, and they're following the Lord. We just have a different approach to things. I love this approach because it's a verse-by-verse study through the Bible. And we have that whole counsel of God that we can consider. Understanding that when we know his word and we know his voice, that when we're taught, when spiritual things are presented to us, we have the understanding. We can get to the point where we become kind of numb. Like, oh yeah, I know that's what he's saying. Do we know that deep down in our heart? Yes, we may have the the, the intellectual understanding of what Jesus is saying, but do we believe it? Is it a part of us? You know, what Jesus is saying here, when he has to get into the point where he says in 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Jesus Christ, his words are spiritual. That they minister to us spiritually. You know, there are many takes on who Jesus is. Oh, he's a good teacher. He was a moral man, and he did some good stuff, and he died. And then uh, uh, they thought he was dead, and then he wasn't. And he, he had a bunch of wives, a bunch of kids running around, everything. Time Magazine will tell you that. Not scriptural at all. Doesn't does, it's, it's totally contrary to the word of God. Who is Jesus? And he's explaining it all right here. Understanding that God is not the author of confusion. Understanding that in America, we are biblically, as a nation, biblically, completely, biblically illiterate. I mean, it's it's horrifying to think of, of just some of the basic, not even biblical. We're just, it's, it's I, I've, I've, I've seen, you know, these little uh, quick interviews of, you know, who was the first president of the United States? How many people struggled? They might get the first one. You know, don't even ask me second, third, fourth, and fifth. I don't remember. Told you, you guys know I wasn't the greatest student. But uh, you know, some of those things. Just just looking back on, on and where is the focus? Uh, where where's the focus? Understanding that America uh, as a whole has rejected God. You know, the Bible went from being a textbook to being a a, a book that's outlawed in schools. We spoke of what Janet Mills, our governor, was was pushing of, of, of sexual literacy for little children. Just just try, just trying to introduce uh, sex, like in in pornographic you know, cartoons. Why would the governor be? You go. You need to be teaching reading, writing, arithmetic. I would love that the scriptures were here. There, there's a battle for the the minds of the children in this state, in this community, and it's so important for us, the church, to know the word of God and be able to speak and say, you know what? No, we, I'm, I'm, I believe in the, in the scriptures, and the scriptures say this: we're going to be called closed-minded, might even be called a bigot. That seems like the ticket word, you know. 
I'm a bigot because I don't believe in X, Y, Z. No, I don't. I don't believe in the sexualization of little children. When they get to a certain point, they need to have some sort of understanding of reproduction. But it shouldn't be this, hey, recreationally, this is what you could do with your friends out in the woods. It, it, it's, it sounds horrifying, but that's some of the stuff that's being presented. Completely biblical or illiterate. I can't say completely, but alarmingly, I'll say it that way, alarmingly biblically illiterate here in the United States. You know, prayer banished, Bibles outlawed. We, why? Because we lack spiritual understanding. And why? Because we as a nation have rejected our Creator. As a nation, not everybody here, but as a nation collectively, we've said no thanks. We got it. Surprised that the 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 you know money printed still says in God we trust and somebody hasn't made a movement to pull all that out yet. Josh and I had a, a conversation a few weeks ago about cryptocurrency. Maybe you know there is it's just a it's it's a crypto money. It's not something you hold in your hand. These these people didn't understand. They didn't have spiritual understanding. So when Jesus was teaching them a spiritual truth, they couldn't understand it. It's important for us as Christians to know the word and to be grounded in the word. That we wouldn't look at our neighbor who's confused, saying, oh, you know, I'm just going along with this. Or, and when I say neighbor, it's not necessarily the person that lives next to us. It's the person that God has put in our lives that we can minister to. Anybody that God has put in our way and we have an opportunity to minister to them, that's our neighbor. Just understanding in love, sharing grace, sharing mercy, instead of just bar, you know, and nobody wants the, 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 the bark preached off of them if they're just trying to have a conversation with somebody, you know, or, or to be looked down upon or spoken. We need to share this and say, you know, you know, look at the craziness. Where's, you know, I remember the first time I ever heard Will teach was in Calvary Chapel, uh, Bangor, when it was on Somerset Street across uh, across one of the side streets from um, uh, John Baptist High School, and uh, they were uh, renting that building out. And I remember Will filling in, and uh, I remember him saying, uh, you know, to the question, you know, what's this world coming to? And he said, an end. And I instantly like, wow, <laughs> that's really pointed. And he got right to the point. For us to be able to to share the gospel when he when when the Lord is opening doors, understanding that there's a world out here who doesn't they they don't understand much of what the Bible says or teaches, but they just know that they've heard from other people that it might be a hateful book or uh, you know oh yeah that's an outdated book. There's nothing in there that that we can really take uh, uh, and and understand. Uh, or something that, you know, it's all outdated, you know, it's 2022, just forget about all that stuff, it's all old stuff. Not not the case at all. So Jesus is addressing uh, their lack of spiritual understanding. In verse 61, when Jesus, uh, it says, uh, when he knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? You know, Jesus' teachings, you know, do they... The, uh, do his teachings and commands offend? Oftentimes, yes. You know, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34, that he didn't come to bring peace, but to bring division. He came, he came to draw a line. You know, being offended by the word of God 
uh, means either that uh, we don't understand it or we're living in opposition to it. Sort of found in my life as as I uh, as I grew when I heard the gospel the first time is I either didn't understand it or I didn't want to accept it because it was saying things that I didn't want to accept in my life. I didn't I didn't want to give X Y Z up or whatever it is. You know, does this offend you? You know, just understanding. You know, the that there's always a battle within our our, our hearts, and that battle will will rage. Uh, you know, of do I want to submit to God's will or my own will? Uh, Gail Irwin, if you've never heard his teaching, great Bible teacher, very animated and a uh, very funny guy. I've, I've been uh, to, to uh, men's conferences and uh, maybe a pastor's conference or two that he's been to. And it, you, you can't you can't watch him without laughing. Because he's, he's always funny, but he, he was explaining, you know, every day I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and I see the enemy. You know, he's explaining. The enemy is looking right back that our own flesh uh, contends with the will and the word of God. Just understanding that, that, you know, if we're offended by it, why are we offended? We either don't understand it or we're living in opposition to it. You know, we get to that point where, yeah, I know what the Bible says. I just don't want to give up this lifestyle. I've actually had this conversation with somebody. Yeah, you know, I really want to go to church. I want to know the Bible, everything, but I don't want to give up sex. I literally have I've had that conversation with somebody. Okay, well, you know, within a marriage, that uh, that's a healthy thing. But this this was outside of marriage. So that. You know, that that fleshly desire, that carnal desire was what they were accepting as uh, as that barrier between me and God. God says this, and I know that the word of God says, but I, I, I don't want to give that up. It's as foolish as I don't want to give up X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Pornography, gambling, greed. You know, it can be drunkenness, drugs, whatever it is. It's, you know, we're going to yield to the word of God. Now, Jesus is, is, as he's teaching here, he's addressing the ones that came along for the popularity bandwagon. They're on board. They got free food. He's saying some cool stuff. He's doing some cool stuff. And uh, what we see here is that he's starting to double down, and the crowd thins out. I remember in my old job, uh, one of the guys that uh, used to work at the, uh, uh, I was the, the superintendent, and uh, one of the, the supervisors uh, that uh, that worked uh, in the program that I oversaw told me that he was talking about his uh, you know the things that he does he goes you know I, I realize I need to trim the fat you know, I need to get rid of that that thing that isn't isn't sincere and what I'm doing and isn't helping you know Jesus is standing out the crowd of those who are claiming to be his disciples he's getting down to the truth you know when it comes down to it are, are you He's, uh, he's explaining all these things, very deep uh, spiritual conversation. You know, do we, are you a follower of Jesus or not? And that's where he's, he's getting to. He, in, in 62, the Lord asked them what they would do if they saw his ascension. You know, he's, he's still laying it on thick and even harder to understand uh, the, uh, the ascension. You know, if you can't believe the, that eternal life came through him and it comes through him to understand that he ascended into heaven. That he was dead, that the, the, the dead rose and ascended into heaven. 
you know, the spiritual truth that, you know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father through me. Okay, yeah, yeah, great. But people may may wrestle, like I said, I, I believe it was Time uh, Time Magazine saying, well, yeah, but then he, he, he you know, the, all that stuff in there, he really had, you know, wives and kids and all those things. He's getting to a spiritual point. You know, he, he's saying, well, what about my ascension? He's asking, okay, we, we need to get into the, 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 the depth of what it is to be a follower. He says in 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. If you look through uh, this section here, 63 to 65, you're going to see the Trinity. It's being presented here in this section. Jesus as the bread of life. The Holy Spirit also gives, uh, is explained as uh, giving life. Uh, 65 says he speaks of, uh, verse 65, he speaks of, of God the Father um, uh, granting that believers can come to Jesus. So the, the Trinity is throughout the scripture. For those that, that want to challenge the Trinity, you're going to find it all through the scripture. Uh, Oliver and I talked about that um, at one point. I think it was before a service. He's like, man, just how many times the Trinity is presented all through the scriptures. He's talking Old Testament, New Testament. There's so much in there. Jesus said that his words are spirit and life. Psalm 138 verse 2 says, For you have magnified your word above all your name. So this is a spiritual conversation that contains what is needed to give mankind eternal life. The word. Understanding that the word is alive, as Hebrews tells us, alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. John chapter 5, uh, you remember this from uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Jesus uh, said in verses 39 and 40, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. When Jesus said uh, you know, that, that his words are spirit and life, everything that comes from him ministers to our spirit and offers eternal life. He's explaining that he his being and accepting him we have eternal life in him verse 66 we see that the disciples left he lost a multitude of followers by speaking the deep truth of god when jesus got deep when he got past you know that uh, that that okay everybody wants the savior type uh discussion to well now he's your lord like understanding who he is that type. So, you know, these, these truths about Jesus, you know, and, and uh, the declarations that he made, you know, there's one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that triune God. When he talks of rejecting sin, understanding that we need to die to ourselves and submit our will to Christ, that he speaks exclusively, that he's the sole provider of eternal life, that life can only be found in him. You know, we aren't promised an easy life as Christians, but God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Understand that when we're seeking him, when things are hard, when we're going through the time and we feel like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to get up and go to church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Uh, you know, I've got to you know, daily get in the scripture, daily pray, just understanding who he is. When our mindset, when our focus is off of him, we can start getting to that point where we forget who he is. Just, but understanding that uh, he is a, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is a, um, 
when we see the disciples following because of, of the heart, the things that he said that they couldn't understand, that they rejected him and they, they, they begin to, to walk away. It's important to understand and it's important, important for the church not to start getting a carnal approach to ministry. You know what we're going to do? We're going to start having beerable study. That was a real thing. Will's talked about it before, but if you're not familiar with it, there were churches that were giving, they were having Bible studies. I believe it was right here in Ellsworth. Having Bible study and offering beer. Hey, you know what? Everybody can just come. We'll sit around the word and we'll drink. Yeah, people start getting OUIs. Not even, it's, it's sad. It's, it's, it, I wish that I was joking. That's that's begins to be a carnal approach. Will was speaking when when he uh, uh, when everything started coming up. He was describing uh, what has been told to him of some of the churches in the area that he's moving to, and that for the Super Bowl one year they have people coming in as long as you're 21. Hey, here's some beer. Come into the church and watch the game. What if somebody's struggling with alcohol? What what if somebody's you know just been freed? You know, and they've been walking with the Lord for a year strong, and they walk into a church and they see, whoa, so I can be a Christian and get drunk watching the football game. Well, you know, pastors there standing, these guys, the church leaders, all they've done is create a stumbling block. We cannot have a, a, a compromised approach to ministry. Are, are these doors open for anybody who wants to come in and sit down and learn about Christ? Absolutely. Come in, sit down. Don't be a distraction. Don't be here trying to, to pull others away to whatever weirdness is going on. But if somebody wants to come in here, hear about God's grace, to hear his mercy, to grow in his word. Absolutely. Come here, you know, and, and understand who he is, all those things. Everybody is welcome here. There isn't there isn't somebody that I walk in. Oh well, you know this this person's you know struggle that said that you know they're 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 homosexual. I can't have them here. That's not the case at all. Come in, just like any of us that were sinners and have been saved by grace. Come in and hear the word of God. Let it change your life. But understanding, we can't go to approach where oh well we're not going to talk about that now. We're going to tiptoe around that. We're not going to address this sin because people might not come. We want to minister, but Jesus didn't pull the punches. Jesus got right down to it. And remember when uh, we even studying in, in John chapter 5, you know, when, when he healed that man next to the pool, he's healed, uh, he goes and he presents himself uh, to the religious leaders. They're saying, oh, who healed you on the Sabbath? You know, you're carrying your stuff. And he gave you the permission. Who was this? He's, I don't know. Jesus met him in the temple. And in that private conversation Jesus has with him, he says, go your way and sin no more. You know, how many times did Jesus say that? He addresses the sin in our lives that we need to confess so that we can be free from the bondage of sin. And he offers that freedom. We don't have to get everything right in our lives and then come to God. No, we come to him as we are. And he loves us and accepts us as we are, but he doesn't want us to remain as we are. He wants to change us, make us new creations in him. We cannot give a compromised gospel to anybody. Because, you know, remember, remember in Jesus' teaching, he talked about a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's just that little bit of yeast. 
where the scripture uses yeast as a type of sin. And it's explaining that, you know, that little, a little bit of leaven gets in there and it affects everything. We have to teach the word of God here. And we're going to do it in grace and love and we're going to share the word. But I'm not going to stand here and say, well, that's not really a sin anymore. Because am I do I do I show love to that person when I'm doing that? No. You know, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, right? Proverbs tells us. I love you so much that I, I'm, I'm willing to have a, a difficult conversation with you in love to share with you what this is doing. It's destroying your life. You know, Jesus, all these people left because they couldn't understand what Jesus was saying. They, were, they, they weren't sincere followers. As soon as things got a little bit tough or, well, you know what, yeah, this is getting a little too deep, I'm out. It may not be said of us that we search for that deep relationship with Christ and walking with him. Verse 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus is now giving the opportunity for the 12 to walk away if they wanted to. You know, they've spent significant time with him uh, by now. They've heard the sermons. They've seen the works and they had the opportunity. He's like, do you guys want to go to, you know, understanding that this situation here strengthened the 12 or at least the 11. We know that uh, Judas um, was not sincere in his faith, was a deceiver. And Jesus calls him a devil. In the next passage we're about to look at. But it was a test for them. They witnessed many walking away when things got real. You know, when Jesus got serious with them, uh, the others bailed. These guys remained. And we know they're not perfect. We know we, we study about the failures. Uh, you know, Thomas, they'll, they'll say, oh, he's doubting Thomas. You know, he didn't, did he, how, how, how legit was his faith? Or, or Peter, hey, he's the one that rejected Christ. God restores, God builds them, he strengthens them. But when things got, got to the point where people are saying, all right, this guy's out of his mind, I'm leaving. He gives the opportunity to those, uh, those initial 12. And they can leave if they want. But Peter gives an answer for the ages here, and he says, where else will we go? You have the words to eternal life. He says, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Peter is speaking collectively. He says, you know, we, and he's not realizing that one of them has an insincere heart of who Judas is. But he's saying, we as a group, from what he knows, no, we're, we're here. We're buckled down. We've heard what you've had to say. We've seen what you've done. We understand who you are. We're, we're still learning and everything. But Peter says, you know, where else are we going to go? There is nowhere else to go. Jesus Christ is the answer to all these questions of eternal life. He, he says here, you have the words of eternal life. We've also come to believe that you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of the living God. When he, call, when he calls him the Son of the living God, he's saying you are God in the flesh. He makes that, that's a very, very bold answer that Peter provides. Verse 70 Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? 
He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. So after Peter just said we, you know, Jesus breaks the news that one of them isn't truly on board. You know, all these people just left. I know, Peter, you're saying that, hey, we're, we're all here. We've heard this, and, and we, we know who you are. And Jesus has to break the news that one of them is a devil. That I, I'm sure they didn't understand fully what was, what was happening there, what was being said. So some have made the argument that Judas didn't have a choice in this matter. And they'll go to the scripture and say, well, look, it says here. Look, it says here that it wasn't Jesus, that Judas was just a puppet. And that's not the case at all. Jesus described him as a devil. Remember Judas, you know, he, he gets, as Jesus gets to the heart of the issue, uh, Judas conduct himself as a son of the devil, a selfish man. And he, uh, he, you know, rather than he's a follower of the devil, rather remember uh, Jesus called the religious leaders uh, liars and that they, they're the sons of the devil and the father of lies. And I think we're getting into that here pretty soon, actually. Not, to, not today. We're not getting that far today. But we know of, of uh, Judas that he was a thief. He stole from the treasury, and, and uh, uh, that's, that's declared here in the Scripture. He didn't even realize and recognize true worship when Mary anointed Jesus with a costly oil. You know, and he, what was Judas's response to it? That could have been used to bless somebody else, and we could have sold that, given to the poor. But we understand it's it's even said uh, in that same passage that the, he only said that because he was the one in, in charge of the treasury who was stealing from it. He was a thief. And all of this, Jesus makes these this declaration: "I am the bread of life," and he gets into the meat of who he is and man's. A deep spiritual need for him, and when he starts talking about eating eating his flesh and drinking his blood, they don't understand that he's speaking of a spiritual truth, and they go, "Wait, this guy's teaching cannibalism. We're out of here," and they all pack up and leave. The crowd is thinned out by the truth that come from, that came from Jesus's mouth. He's speaking and he's calling uh, anybody that that wants to believe in him. I think it was verse fifty one where he's talking to anybody. For anyone, that his words are life. His words are spirit, and they are life. That's what he wants to call us to. And you know, our sin and our and our life, uh, in our own will, will reject God. And you know, when things get deep, oh, you know, maybe sometimes the Lord needs to put something on our heart. You need to give this up. This in your life is destroying your life, and it's contrary to my word. You know, what are we going to do with that? We're going to obey him and, and follow him and, and, and uh, reject that, that sin in our lives, or are we going to follow him? Because that sin, we've talked about it several times, that, that when, our, our, when we're enticed by sin, we're drawn in by it, and then we start participating in it, and that sin continues to grow in our life. And James says that that sin, that sin uh, when it is full grown, uh, brings forth death. There's a spiritual and sometimes a physical death that comes from following sin. You know, when Jesus got to this deep spiritual truth, they didn't want to hear it anymore. It was too powerful. They didn't understand it. They were like, this guy's out of his mind. We're out. There are times where, you know, that, that the scripture may kind of confront us and, and, and challenge us to a point of, oh, I've got to give up this. I've got to do, understand we are always getting the better deal from God. There is nothing here that's worth walking away from a relationship with Christ because everything here is temporal. God calls to us for, uh, uh, with a loving heart, come out of that, come out of that. You know, and I believe it was in, in, in verse 51 
where Jesus says, um, I, I need to, yes, it, it was in uh, verse 51 at the end of it. Um, he says, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. That's what he, the, the, the cry is, come eat from the bread, come drink the water, come to Jesus, experience eternal life. Everything else here is a facade. It's, it's fake. It's not going to fulfill you. We need the bread that came down from heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so blessed by your word. We thank you for it and uh, the, the deep truths of it. We pray that you continue to build us and strengthen us with those truths. Lord, that uh, if there is any opposition in our hearts and in our minds, God, that you in your grace and mercy would just show us and help us to lift our hands off of holding on to it and to turn to you. Lift our hands to, to your scarred hands that died to save us from that. Oh, God, you're so gracious. Lord, help us not to turn away if things get rough. We weren't, we weren't promised easy lives. Pray that our strength would come from you. You'd give us understanding. Lord, that your spirit would minister, that, that when our, we don't know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit would, would, uh, would utter the prayer for us, as your scripture says. Whatever it is, Lord, help us to lay it at your feet, understanding that you know, you love us, and you can meet the need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you. If you didn't plan